I went down a YouTube fucking rabbit hole of 80s kids TV theme songs this week and I, and it was 26 minutes and I got to about 14 minutes and went what happened to what me what am I doing why am I singing along with go gadget go nostalgia is a hell of a drug um yeah so, so Curtis will Curtis is like me he doesn't necessarily absorb the lyrics but he will like Mind worm the tunes, you know. He he will hear. Mind worm. He'll hear a catchy. He'll hear a catchy song and he'll be humming it or tapping it or whatever for days, you know. And, and what the really cool thing is, he'll actually have a crack at trying to play it on the cello, um, which he's not quite there yet. But I, I mean, the cello is basically just a big bass. Yeah. He did, but you just need to show him some videos of Lemmy from Motorhead playing it with a distorted with a pick. Yeah. I think basically he would, he will know that the cello was super cool. But but Raylan tries to he tries he absorbs all the lyrics and it's hilarious watching him trying to memorize. He's the lyricist. Memorize point and kill with all its Nigerian patois. <laughs> like yeah. I, I sort of feel like I've got to print him out a lyric sheet for that one just so because he like, yeah you need to go to genius.com yeah. the problem also an extremely white kid mm. doing he's about he's about as white, white as you problem. can get white with blonde hair yes but but uh, blonde white kid but i like i appreciate the the effort because i like i can listen to a as we very well know i can listen to a whole album and pick up on one percent of the lyrics in a week where if he likes a song he wants to know what it says you know he wants to dig into it and mm. and and he wants to know what he the wants to know whether he consigns this sentiment but that makes it very difficult for me because i actually have to think about what i play in the car because i like it's not yeah. just music to him he's actually trying to figure out what the words are saying so if the words are problematic uh i've got to be a little bit careful now yeah well the thing is though that they're going to always you know throughout their lives be exposed to stuff that you know isn't right or they don't agree with or and the internet is full of toxic, evil shit, um, and they'll find it, and they need to experience it in a way that that you said, look, this exists. You can enjoy it on a certain level, but understand that underpinning this, it's not right, and you shouldn't absorb this into your into your as a as a philosophy to live by. Yeah. Um, where shall we start with this week's tunes? Before we start, I've got a I've got a bit of a a, a massive generalized statement about this year's music. I think this is a fucking good year of music. Like, I don't know whether... I don't know whether we're going to get some of the... Like, you know, where I, I think the three albums are just absolute fucking classic albums, the top three albums. But I've been going back through my, my long list, you know, like trying to roughly reorganise my top ten, which is sort of something I do around the middle of the year. I know it's a bit past that, but... You know, sort of get a try to get a feel, and I'm like, holy shit! There's been a lot of albums that I've got, I've marked down as you need to go back and do a, a much deeper dive on this because I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a pretty good album. Now, a couple of those, I'm pretty sure you don't like, but there's, there's another one this week where I was like, man, this is, I think this is really good. Uh, uh, like, th- this needs further listening. You know, this needs some time to breathe and come back to and. I don't know. I, I think it's been what two weeks wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but like I, I think it's been quite a varied year, and I, I actually think the quality of 
the mid range has been a lot better this year. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like yeah, there's, there's, been- there's a high floor. Yeah, there's definitely a higher floor. The, the ceiling might not be as high, yeah. but less dross, less sad indie girl face. Thank God. Well, should we start with Mama then? Yeah. So, is it? I mean, it, it wasn't really sad indie girl. It was more. Is it, it, it angst, angsty indie it, girl? But not quite as angsty as the as their heroes. Like yeah. it was very clearly a love letter from a couple of of whatever they call the generation after millennial Zetas, zeros, whatever it is, um, Zoomers. It was a love letter to. The Breeders, Kim Deal. Yeah, the Breeders. Um, that's a good. That's it. The, actually, the Breeders is, is a perfect example, but also definitely Veruca Salt. Yeah, and, and particularly early Veruca Salt. Um, it, it, specifically with Veruca Salt, that that kind of the twin vocal, the twin kind of breathy, sarcastic, Southern California sounding vocal. Even though Veruca Salt were from fucking Chicago, they sounded like a couple of Valley Girls. Um, sort of sarcastically yeah, that, that's go- ripping you down. G- girls with three R's too. Yeah, girls. It was a bit of like girls. And, and this album does feel a lot like the Breeders album, Last Splash, or Veruca Salt's um, American Thighs, in that it has one or two absolute fucking bangers, and then the rest of it kind of feels a bit drab. Yeah. I, I, I sort of thought it was a, a 75% album like it it, yeah. it, it it sort of yeah it, it, it was but it was really competent that's the that's the thing it, it was, was extremely well done it was yeah. an extremely well done tribute act to um something that's not coming back and the thing the thing is it is kind of a satire as well or at least a, a hat tip because a lot of those bands were talking about the fact that you know selling out was evil and you know the whole idea of rock stardom and now with a generation where no one can have Rockstar because Rockstar doesn't exist, they kind of raise the idea that maybe that wouldn't have been such a bad thing because they got a song literally called Rip Off, which is about, fuck, or, and another song called Rockstar, which are literally about fucking, why don't we just sell the fuck out? You know, it's 1994 and we'll just sell the fuck out. We'll just take the money and run, so to speak. And that more, more people should have fucking done that. It was really interesting reading, like, I, I went back at, like, I've done a massive deep dive on the Black Keys. I've just fully immersed myself in the Black Keys. And the fact that... You are in the fucking basement in Akron, Ohio in <laughs> 2000 and what, 1998, whatever, yeah. they, whatever they were formed. But I find it really interesting how their authenticity came from the way that they recorded, right? It's like, we're not yeah. going to move up into these... They had cheap shit and it was sounded, like, sounded terrible. And that's why... Um, thick freakness sounds so fucking sick. Yeah, but but they're also like, hey, we we got to pay these fucking bills, and this old school, uh, including Bob, ambulance bills, Bob Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix attitude of, well, fuck, we're not going to license any of our stuff for advertising. Well, fuck that. We will sell our shit to whoever we can because we want as long as the music is true to what we're trying to do. We don't care yeah. how it gets used. And in fact, we're quite happy for it to get out to as many people as possible, even if it is in a rancid yeah. Nissan fucking ad. Um, the music, the, well, like- the, the abiding memory I have of Girls on My Mind, which is off Thick Freakness, which is a banger, is in a, I think, Motorola commercial with mm. two female, uh, two women tennis players. Yeah. And it's like, absolutely. You know, they were on the cusp of that generation where getting a song in an ad was actually 
an achievement rather than being, oh, my God, you've sold out. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, b- back to Mama. I just... Uh, they couldn't uh, write good enough songs. Yeah. But good, good on them for trying something that probably would go away, <laughs> but would probably... would probably the Alley Award for the night, you know. Bit, you had a good go, thanks for making an effort, or whatever the fuck she said, which was her eulogy for Stephen Hawking. But like uh, again, uh, like we, we need to we need to name this somehow and, and, and give it a name. But like the trip hop thing, right? Where there's no new good trip hop, and and part of that is because no one's trying to make a Portishead album in 2022 at least these well, guys if they are as you've said previously they're doing it on soundcloud and we yeah that's right well it's a yeah it's it's more guys you know mixing it up rather than writing original stuff at least these guys are yeah. trying Rock to write lounge music for vodka bars yeah uh, uh, these guys are trying to write original stuff in that style and okay it doesn't mm. come it doesn't come off a hundred percent but i'd rather them have a go than that style dying out forever and we end up with more fucking Spacey Jane, that's for sure. <laughs> Poor Spacey Jane get taken strays. Uh, can I also shout out um, the the mid '90s Subaru Legacy wagon because it features on the cover of this uh, of this album, and I think that a '90s Legacy is a car that will last, you know, much like a Series One Land Rover. It will last until the heat death of the universe. It'll be mm-hmm. that and the cockroaches. You can't kill a '90s uh, Subaru Legacy or Liberty if 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 you live in Australia and the, um, the a certain war widow's charity objected to a Japanese car manufacturer calling their car <laughs> Legacy in your market, um, which is pretty much why we've, we, they call out they call themselves Outbacks. They're pretty much everywhere now. Um, yeah, but uh, shouts to them. They're, they're they're quite good, and you can't kill them with an axe. So so that was my positivity about nostalgia. Let's move on to Cooler Shaker, where my my sole notes on this album was, this nostalgia is not for me. This is not your nostalgia. So, the, the problem, the primary problem I have with this album, which, which runs to an out a year, I mean a year, an hour, might as well be a year, uh, is that it's a concept album nobody asked for, and and it, the sketches and the bits that the, the little the little skits they have. Um, are kind of vaguely amusing on the first thing. It's, it's kind of the idea is that they, they've got a fake church, the, the first fucking congregation of eternal love and free hugs or something. And it, it is a, a lovely sort of period piece parody of a certain kind of home counties, um, homeland England kind of church uh, situation. But I don't understand why it needs to be on the album. A bit about, you know, who's stealing the fucking guttering from the, the church. I don't understand what's that adding, except that these people are now the, of, of the age who watches Midsummer Murders. So maybe that's kind of where, uh, where their, their mentality sits. Um, the whole thing struck me as, like, when you sit around with a bunch of mates and you have a really good idea when you're pissed, and then you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, that, that might not have been such a good idea. And these guys are like, no, no, that was a great idea. Let's record it. So, so a muse album then, yeah. Because well. that's basically it, it, this is this comes from the file of nobody told them no, uh, and that's the, the downside of the democratization of music resourcing. You don't need a record label to do this. Um, so, it, I hadn't really listened to a lot of Killer Shaker period, and their big album is K, which is the the album from 1996 that has 
Hey Dude and various other stuff, bits and pieces on it. Um, and to no surprise, this album is not as good as K, um, but it's it's not dissimilar enough that you think, holy shit. You know, if you take out, well, let's take out all the skits and bits and nonsense and cut the album down to 45 minutes or whatever. This is a, this is a more, this is an older album and a more reflective album. And it, they do a few tracks that I've since discovered hark back to tracks that they've done previously, like 303 Revisited. There was a track on their first album called 303, literally referencing the A303, which goes, which is the the A road that goes past Stonehenge towards the fucking, towards the West Country. And that's apparently where they're from. I, I, I believe they're from Salisbury, which is where the, um, the people got the fucking, what, what was that Russian shit? That, um... That, that Russian poison that the, the, the oh, ex-KGB yeah, guys... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Salisbury. I drove past Salisbury a few years ago, and I was like, I don't even want to stop here just in case there's something on the, on the rocks or something. Um, so they're kind of fringe Hampshire, home county sort of people. Um, it's very picture postcard and very very lovely Middle England kind of areas. And um, the lead singer was the the son of uh, a, f- a semi-famous '60s actress and various other bits and pieces. So it's a very it's a very comfortable and specific kind of of England. But I don't have a problem with that because it doesn't pretend to be anything else. These aren't like you know, my original criticism of the chats were: it's a bunch of private school kids pretending yeah. to be bogans. In reality, are they are bogans no matter whether they're private school kids or not because they're from the Sunshine Coast. These guys haven't made any pretense to be anything other than what they are, which is a bunch of rich kids who, you know, went on pilgrimage to India when they were 19 and came back sounding like they'd been stowing away in George Harrison's sitar case. So, so there's, there's a really good um, uh, UK show called Roast Battle, which is, uh, I think it's a rip-off of it. Of, of a whole a bunch of English people competing to see who can do the best roast lamb oh, yeah, on Sunday. Pr- Pretty much, um, which I think and the they, has cutting things said about them without them hearing about it. Uh, the, the I think they ripped it off off a, off a US show, and the US show is terrible, and the UK show is just fucking awesome. Like the, the, this is is that because it comes with all that British kind of. This well, is an incredible cutting thing I'm going to say to you right now. Yeah, well, it's it's just no holds barred, right? But it, it has that mm. sarcasm R- rather than just being mean. It's mean, but with with sarcasm and a bit of wit and there was a father son like that you know dad and son comedian um that that went up against each other and he just absolutely buried his son for essentially being trying to be little sims but growing up like with money on a lake where he would go rowing on weekends and he's like you yeah. fu- you fucking come out like you come from the south of london you grew up with like yeah. you know a lake in your backyard yes. he's just fucking buried your first car was a volvo <laughs> yeah, pretty much it's just it's so and it's so much funnier because it's coming from the person that actually like worked yeah. hard who, and, ga- who, and gave him that opportunity. <laughs> that's the thing. It's clearly underpinned by quite a lot of bitterness. Uh, and, and some of them are just, I'll, I'll send you a couple, the, the husband-wife ones, the father-son ones, or the flatmate ones. And it's just like, how does this relationship continue after this conversation? Anyway, back onto the music. Um, back onto this. Look, the thing about, I mean, I haven't listened to Kay. I can't remember listening to Kay at any time apart from maybe in one of those music listening lounges in Brashes in fucking 
whatever the year was back when that should happen. My sound has done something very weird. Yeah, you've gone all um, you've gone all floppy. Gone all floppy. Hang on a second. Your your waveform has better? disappeared. Yeah, my waveform has died in the ass. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Oh, oh, it has the, Oh, that's better. Much better. Yeah, that's better. Think about this this Killer Shaker album. It is much more of a a deliberate pastiche than anything they've done before, as near as I can tell. Like when you listen to tracks, you can kind of hear, yeah, that's a great track, but I can see where they, I can see the joins, I can see how they put it together. Like my favorite track on the album is probably "I'm Against It," you know, whatever it is, I'm against it. But that could have been done by Cream in 1967. That was extremely kind of space. Um, 108 ways to deliver your narcissist yeah. really feels like baby, you can drive my car. Hometown feels very kind of mid sixties pop. Gingerbread Man is the same. Um, there's quite a lot of tracks that feel a lot like kind of Bob Dylan or Led Zeppelin three and that kind of folky I, I think stuff. Um, and and um, you know some of the bits of it sound like sort of sub Sergeant Peppers. It's much more derivative than even um, even their pomp when they were being accused of being a rip off band. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot more experience in, in what they did in the in the nineties. Yes, see, see, I, I think this is the problem I've got with this versus uh, the last album is that there's heaps of people doing yeah. rip offs of this sort of stuff, you know, and there has been throughout the last twenty years. Whereas there's not too many people trying to bring back Veruca Salt. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. I, I I think that's the only difference. I, I I do respect the fact that they've you know have gone their separate ways and come back together, and they're just doing it for fun in their late forties. You know, I I respect that part from a personal standpoint. Doesn't mean I want to listen to it. I mean, I mean, I could cut together a, probably a pretty good forty minute album from this. Um, but that's probably not the point because that's not what they wanted to make. So that's kind of where we are with it. There are some really good tracks on this, and there is some indulgent dross. Uh, which makes it basically uh, imagine if Muse made a sixty throwback album. <laughs> so, so let's let's move on to the album which I thought was easily the best of the week, Baby Strange. Cool. I had three lines of notes on it. Okay, look, and they weren't bad notes. It was the, just the kind thing, of so, so. yeah, decent. Literally, the line is decent effort. Decent. He's clearly made no imprint on me at all. So how is it imprinted upon Well, the, the thing I find really interesting about this was I found it very British, which is funny because they're a Glaswegian band. Yeah, you'll get you'll get shipped for that shit. Yeah, that's right. They, they, wanted, <laughs> they wanted to secede, man. L- luckily, I'm never going to visit... Unless they're Rangers supporters, you'll be fine. Visit Scotland, and uh, I think the Scotland Touch Association has some very good coaches, so they don't need me. Um... I don't know. We didn't touch. We fucking punch people. And then we fucking nut them. What, what I found bastard. Uh, compelling about this was the way that they mixed it up and the fact that they would just like throw shit in like random drum solos in the middle of songs. It was like, it's like pulp, but with more, uh, with more whimsy, more, which is weird, a weird thing to say about pulp because, you know, pulp, pulp were could be very whimsical, but these guys would just... an album coming out again soon. They're definitely reforming, and Jarvis Cocker must be yeah. older than your granddad by this stage, because he was old in the 90s. He, 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 he also, he that, also that, looks... That, that pedophile look actually suited him in the, in the 90s, because he was so much older than any of the girls who were sitting on it. 
Yeah, Those are my entire notes for this this pack. Glaswegian post punk, somewhat grim. Parentheses. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> asterisk. I, I I put an asterisk down for tracks that I that I particularly like, just so I remember them. Poor old me slash midnight. Decent effort. That's so. I listened to this on the headphones. And I found it had a lot more depth and a lot more um, interesting shit going on in the background than when I just listened to it on the, you know, in the lounge room speaker or in the car. And and I, I do sometimes wonder whether uh, a lot of the a lot of the stuff. That, well, we find that quite often when we go back and do because quite often when we do the end of the year stuff, you know, everything gets the the, the deep dive through the headphones multiple times to make sure that I'm really across it but in a week sometimes it, you know it might get it might get a listen on the headphones but I might be you know reading emails while I'm, while I'm doing it at work or you know you don't you don't have that deep sort of listen to it but I, I was wandering around today with the headphones on and I was like fuck this has got a bit of depth to it There's, there was some really interesting stuff going on in the background that was a great counterpoint to his like you said it's a pretty depressing dreary sort of uh, it's not vocal. it's not it's not in one because he's Scottish yeah. Man, yeah yeah look not not intentionally just <laughs> yeah national let's not pick on him for his genetic defects <laughs> he was born like that man you can't you know that'd be ableist hello to all our Glaswegian listeners yeah <laughs> fucking great Jesse yeah we shiny be shite uh, so yeah I I, I I've stuck it. This is on my long short list for the year. You know, I probably just need to spend yeah. more time with it because I, I don't. I don't know whether it's going to be a hammock album, though. I don't know whether it's really going to hit you sitting in a hammock at a beach in New Zealand in September. But it's only thirty minutes, so it doesn't. It doesn't hang around long yeah. enough to piss you off. I, I, I don't know whether that. I don't know whether that's a great tagline. It, it doesn't hang around long enough to piss you off. The balls podcast review. Yes. Well, that's kind of that's kind of the the methodology we've run with our with our yeah, edits yeah. recently. It's just to, to get in and get out between yeah. twenty and thirty minutes. I mean, um, say what you've got to say, get the jokes off, and then fuck off. And, and that's actually not a bad call. I think it's also because the more podcasts you and I listen to, the more we kind of look at a runtime of like two look, hours, twenty seven minutes on a look, podcast. Look, if it's go, if it's a deep no, dive into no, you, you know some hardcore scientific shit like this Huberman Lab, then then I'm down for a two hour podcast. If or if it's, it's an episode of Cinephobe, because they're but, funny but it, for two hours. But if it's, if it's um, two hours on will Russell Westbrook get traded from the Lakers, I'm like, I'm probably yes. good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. How long does it take to say, who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah. He's washed. That's, that's true. Just run ads for the rest of it. Um, no, I, I, I will um, earmark the strange babies and uh, come back to them at some later stage. Because I have a, a kind of a, a question mark as to why they didn't um, why they didn't implant I'm not intended for um, for people who understand how pregnancy works on my brain. So what have you got that is new this week? All right, I've got a new album by a band called Nebula, who are kind of legacy, I suppose. They, they there's a couple of ex Fu Manchu dudes uh, involved, so. I probably don't need to describe the sound. It's going to be big old dirty fucking stoner rock riffs. Um, because I kind of need that in my life right now. Well, I'm going to go with a 
band called Black Midi. Okay, I have heard of Black Midi. And I think they are like a weird British, slightly punk, slightly dance, slightly electronic, slightly metal kind of outfit, are they not? Hmm. The the album's called Hellfire. They don't have a bio, so maybe they need to contract um, me. Get up Andrew Stockdale to Black Midi. <laughs> actually, we we would we would actually do really good business in listening to albums on this podcast and then rewriting their a bios. Black Midi is like a a Black Midi is like a pot to his old, isn't it? <laughs> Available in surf clubs all over New South Wales. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bl- Where the pipes haven't were- the pipes haven't been cleaned since nineteen ninety three. Enjoy hey, that. Can, can we just submit a Spotify? Is there a way for us to submit? We should a be Spotify able to have like bio. user user nominated bios that get upvoted, like Reddit. Oh wow, that would be awesome. Because there's going to be no plenty bio. of bands for which like these yeah, they, of they've shit just got a website. Would be the bio. We we could do better than that. Anyway, let's go with that. Can I suggest? Yes, you've got the Joker. Shall we go with the problematic Beyonce album? It's only problematic because she refuses to pay the people who she stole the ideas from. Yes, yes, I agree. Yes, I'm actually queen. Interested. Copyright infringement is so well, fucking. This is the interesting play. thing, right? Is uh, let's say there's a couple of other people in that rough space, Kanye and Jay Z, who have been doing this shit for years. Why is she copying it all of a sudden? I find the politics around it fascinating. Um, This is supposed to be like a club banger album, which probably means you and I will fucking, you know, not enjoy it because club bangers in in the US. Can I propose a theory? (laughs) fucking rancid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Swedish house mafia. Um, Can I propose a theory as to why it's not impacting Jay-Z and Kanye right now? Because they haven't released an album that's been relevant in the current climate. I mean, it's been it's they, been a while they, since they they've done still, anything that hasn't been seen as a yeah. as a an oddity at best. Yeah, if they if they release something that was as 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 the kids say popping, um, the kids never say that, <laughs> and if they do, they probably shouldn't. <laughs> then, in the current climate, where stuff like that actually like they get the microphone to the person who's been wronged and say, "Look, they stole my shit," then that will be an issue. But no, but. Kanye and Jay-Z do not fucking matter mm. in terms of ongoing concerns. They're legacy acts. Yeah. They are based, they're fucking Leo Sayer. You know, they're people who made up, made music back in prehistory. Because for the, for the kids, prehistory is any time yeah. before. So let's let's have a listen. And I do not think I, it's a bad I'm going to try and listen to this album objectively. and Because and, I I'm really like her. I'm going to try like and listen her. to this album objection, object, objectionally. <laughs> I'm going to be so, really objectionable. I know with my underpants on my head. Well, I'm going to listen to it once and then I'm going to go. I'm going to pretend well, the, this is it. This is a, an interesting pop, cut point shit. for pop the is after for dark children. The other. Don't listen to pop. Sorry. <laughs> the okay. after dark because okay. I, was th- I was thinking about the um, the English women's soccer win this week. Oh, I've been trying not to listen is... to it because it's ruined Twitter and it's ruined all my fucking soccer podcasts. It's like. <gasps> Fuck off. If the Americans were playing, you would have got it th- last. That's what I find interesting, right, is that there's this very strong anti-women's football vibe in, Eng- in England, but then it's, well, almost, then it's also fair. 
yeah, we're everywhere. But then there's also this like, holy shit, we've won a major tournament vibe, yeah. and we haven't we haven't crapped the bed on penalties at, or extra time, or it's just the dichotomy is yeah. just hilarious. Well, it that, just what you describe is the Guardian position versus the oh, I don't know whatever right wing newspaper you want to call it, like. Yeah. You know, the Guardian's like, oh, look, women can, do, got- women can do anything. It's literally the girls can do anything bumper sticker from fucking, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's like women are better than men because they can win a football tournament. It's like, yeah, yes, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's, the problem with women's football is that it's an incredibly uneven playing field and the English women have the advantage of actually having proper training and playing fields and nutrition yeah. and stuff that, you know, a lot of other nations do not have uh it's almost fucking colonial the way that they've, they've got well, advantages like, over the, everyone yeah. um so it's it's like yeah celebrate if you want the, the, this is this has been like again this is another one that's been highlighted by the commonwealth games in the in the women's cricket in that uh all the other nations except australia have to be perfect in a game australia can shit the bed and lose Alyssa healy and meg lanning for fuck all and then their number seven batsman who like bats at number like either opens or bats at number three, and has like has Did you batted call in them an Australian team. That's his um, batsman. Um, you've been cancelled. You've already been cancelled. We can never release this podcast. But like you know, the problem is batter makes me think, think of think baseball. She, so I, I have trouble yeah, with batter. Yeah, that's right. It's batter, 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 batter. Yeah, I, I have trouble with batter. But like she, she's literally, she's literally, literally got to to bat like twice for Australia. At number seven, and just casually comes in and saves it, saves the game against the second best nation in in women's cricket. It's like it's literally fucking unfair. They're so deep, and you know have the advantages of being a professional sport. Like for for whatever else, Australian cricket, the, the Australian cricket board has fucked up. The, what they have done with women's cricket in actually, you know, giving them the same. Um, I guess opportunities like I don't know. I would opportunities be really, right. I would be really, really reticent to give the ACB or whatever they call themselves. Yeah, so ma- ma- maybe any advantage the, because it's simply a matter of the fact that the game is played here, and there's a talent I, base I actually, that they already have. There's infrastructure that's that exists because Australians love cricket. I'm not sure how much of that is as a result of Cricket Australia. There was a there was a thing in the last and see this is where it might not be Cricket Australia. It might actually come from the men's players, but there was a parity negotiated into the last contract negotiations where yes. the women got the opportunity to train and play like the men at the top level. That was that really and, contentious um, pay dispute where the. Um there's just many Cricket Australia regimes ago, but they got that fucking yeah. Yeah, Tinto guy in and they were all trying to, you know, crush their balls. Yeah. And, and the, well, the funny thing by, is, by is that Warner, Warner was one of the, the main political motivators. Yeah. Is like, you know, I will give up I will give he's, up some of my wages. He's to, extremely to make, strong, that yeah. man, for all these other flaws. He and then the flip strong. side is he might be the focal point of the next pack of war in cricket where – we're getting these South African and UAE leagues would, that are trying I to call pop. it a pack of war. I think it's more just a contract issue because in his contract it says, I mean, he's not contracted to play the fucking BBL. So I don't, I don't know. Is he supposed yeah. to just sit around and quietly hang out? Well, I think he's got more T. T- Someone should well, fucking sign. Well, he's got more T Twenty loyalty to, to the IPL than to the BBL. He hasn't played the BBL in a decade. 
you know, he plays the IPL every year. So, um, but that's also because he can't because as a if he's an Australian player yeah, and playing he's a, national, he's playing he doesn't. Playing, yeah. I mean, he's been he's been on the books of uh, the Sixers and the um, and the, the the weird coughed up Green Flem team whose name escapes me. Um, they're from the western part of Sydney. That doesn't which Thunder. Thunder. I think uh, they're the Thunder. We, we don't need to speak their name. Then Western Sydney's a shit up. It's just it's a nether world. We don't speak of things. Dragons live beyond Strathfield. Um, but you know the big problem with Dave Warner right now is that he's old. He's washed, and yeah. these these things become an issue as your value becomes more marginal. Back when Dave Warner was unquestionably the most useful fucking top order batsman in the history of two twenty cricket then none of this mattered. But now that it's kind of, you have to actually make value judgments when you decide to sign him or not, uh, this is going to follow him around the place. Well, the, this is a really, like, you know, we've been saying for years that the BBL is getting bloated and, you know, why does it run over two months and why is there a million games and why does it make no sense at all? And then... Meanwhile, as the IPL goes to three months... But but this UAE league that is basically going to... And then funds yeah, a South African option. two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. You can make more in two weeks than you can make in three months. So you're not getting the top English players or the top South African players or any of those guys. They, they're going to... Well, they are getting the top They are getting the top English players. I don't think they are. I think they're getting the second tier top English players, but not the top guys. I think the top guys are going to South Africa or the UAE. If I was... Cricket Australia, I would be having some significantly loud and offensive words with my alleged big three mm. partners in India and saying, why are you trying to fuck us? Because that is mostly Indian money that's underpinning that South African league yeah. in the same way. Well, it's it's all Indian money, yeah. I think. And, and same with the UAE. It's all, t- it's all uh, IPL sides that own those franchises. And... Is this a bit of pushback because IPL franchises wanted to buy into the BBL? Like, they wanted to have synergy with I, a BBL. Do you think and, the, uh, the BBL's missed a, missed a trick yes. here where they, yep. they should have yep. they should have opened up those franchises for purchase. They didn't want to let them yeah. go. Like you could, if, if you'd had the IPL franchises... I mean, the issue is that th- those, those teams would not be owned by Australia. No, no. Th- and that seems to be an issue for them. They, immediately, those teams would not be owned by Australia. So... Does that matter to you? But you might have had Virat Kohli playing for Melbourne if his IPL franchise owned the Melbourne Stars. You might. Why couldn't you have a, a an, a Bundesliga style model where I mean, in the Bundesliga, they've prevented a lot of the, the big companies owning shit, apart from Red Bull because they've ordered it. But they have a fifty plus one, whereas fifty percent have to be owned by the the fan, mm. and then one person can own the rest. Essentially, I don't think I've I don't think I've quite presented it correctly, but you could say, look, the primary stakeholder has to be in Australia. Now it could be, uh, you know, old mate who has kind of questionable Australian residents because there are a few of them. Uh, but make it that way if you're really precious about it. But you need to open up, you know, forty nine percent of all these franchises to. Uh, Overseas investment. If you don't want to be left behind, I think they've realised that in the great big fucking hurry. And then the other, the other uh, sporting thing that I wanted to talk about this week was the Adelaide fucking uh, the Adelaide Five Hundred. Isn't it great to see it come back? It's fantastic. <laughs> the Adelaide bonding camp, shall we call it? Uh, oh, fuck. This story's been going on forever and has been progressive. We're getting AFL worse and worse every desk- fucking time. AFL media seems to be so desperate not to do any mediaing. Which I think is fantastic. You know, why not have a, a a collective fucking atmosphere of let's never report anything ever around your sport. But the the funny thing was is that 
like when this initially happened, there was a, like a, a, a chunk of the AFL media that reported it. And, and one of the dudes got sued. He got sued about this story. And it's like, well, are you guys going to, like, can he can he come back and, like, counter sue for, for, for saying this was actually fucking bad? But, like, a, a coaching mate of mine and I had, had this big, long conversation about it this week because we are talking about body language and, and you know, uh, like this, uh, like, what what is mythology and what is actual practicality? Because th- there is this fine line and, and we always talk about there was a, a semi-final between the Lions and Essendon or Collingwood. I can't, I can't exactly remember who. And at three-quarter time, at three-quarter time, the Victorian side, you know, which was not used to the bright, hot sunshine of Queensland, went and, like, <laughs> w- walked across from the middle. Staggering around with Stevie Wonder glasses on going, no, too no, no, much they, they glare, walked across from the too much glare. <laughs> they walked up from the middle of the field to, you know, they all sort of huddled in the shade on the, on one of the boundary lines, and Voss is like right into the into the lines. Look at these fuckers; they can't even stand the heat. You know, we're gonna fucking run over the top of them in the third quarter. Now, part of me agrees with the psychology of that, right? Which is, look at these guys; they can't handle the heat. Like there is some psychology to that, but there's also the practicality of it's fucking hot. Let's go and stand in the shade. So. Where yeah, we are going to be the team that has lower core temperature in the second yeah, half, so, in the, the, the latter part of this quarter. Yeah, so uh, like, but I, I, I understand a team that lives in the Queensland heat can yes, isn't going to that, redline that's, anywhere that's near right. Time. Like, yeah. if you're well, used to afford to do the trade off between the benefit you get from belittling the opposition psychologically mm. versus the trade off you would have gained physiologically if you yeah. stayed in the shade. Yeah, I but suspect the, 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 on the, on the, wind. the flip side of that, that is, should, um, should you know, the, this leadership, the the mob that ran that camp, you know, the the executives and the and the that co- kind of weird co- culty, consultants that ran that know, camp, like watched watched video of a, an Adelaide loss where they and they said when they ran through the banner, they weren't aggressive enough, and that's why they lost the game. And it's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure that even someone like me with a limited knowledge of AFL could watch the game. Nobody runs through the banner re- aggressively because yeah. it's like you can trip over the – it's like a waste of fucking time. Yeah, but – Other teams just run around it because it's a stupid bullshit Victorian thing that nobody else in the that's, world that's does. That's exactly right, right. So if you if you were watching that and you were like, the way we ran through the banner lost us that game, sh- surely immediately the coaching staff are like, get these fucking idiots – out of my fucking rooms and never let them talk to my players ever again. But unless like, that's the kind of thing they want to be told, like, yeah, they yeah. just need to be harder, you know, they need to want it more, that kind of fucking footy man kind of shit, you know, that, that kind mm. of people who believe in the, believe they can just kind of urge it and, and grunt it more and, and you'll win, not, you know, maybe we should have played more mobile fucking Ruckman or something. So, so uh, like, I, I do believe that body language in sport is an actual thing, and there is Thank you, something Warren. to be had and something in it. But it's also it's one of those things where it's like, uh, if used correctly, can be a powerful thing, but can also be abused for a whole bunch of absolute frauds. Was my yeah. sort of come down on that Adelaide story? Yeah, and I think there's a certain caliber of dude in any kind of organisation 
who really, really wants to have initiation ceremonies. And yeah. any, any of those sort of people should never be in charge of any kind of leadership position. As well as the Thiami, well, Luke, a, sporting, a, grand, a, sporting, a, a sporting team, no matter what. Anything where you've got to do something degrading to, in order to ingratiate yourself to the scene, that sort of shit belongs yeah. in the 1400s. So Luke Ablett, who played for the Swans forever, basically said, look, you spend 10, 10 months a year with these guys. Pre-season training camps were awesome in the old days when, you know, it, it was a, a, like a, a semi-professional sport yeah. and, you know, you needed to come in and bond. You hadn't seen each like, other since since the previous fucking September. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. But nowadays, you, you fucking live together pretty much all year because – you know, your conditioning and your preseason and all. Like, like you're seeing each other a long time before you fucking play a game uh, in those professional sports. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I found the whole thing disturbing but also fascinating. And also made you think, maybe I can set up one of these absolute raw consultancy outfits <laughs> yeah, that's to right. basically Lyle Langley a whole bunch of monorail money out of these cunts because that's basically what they've done. They've stolen money from the Adelaide Look, Crows and I, that's I, to be celebrated. Those I, fucking idiots. I live in the Gold Coast inland. You, you can run down the driveway and I'll get my kids to whack you with bamboo sticks. Yeah. Sure, if, that's, if you think that'll fucking help. They'll do it anyway. You don't have to pay them. Your kids will just do that anyway because that's just, just the energy that they run with all the time. Oh dear. All right, Doc. All right. It was lovely to talk to you. I'll talk to you next week from parts unknown. Yeah. Um, Probably from a mouth. Mostly my mouth. All right. See ya. Um, I can reach the beer from here. I think. Yes. Go, go, gadget arm. Bar fridges, they're great.